With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. Before I bring on my good pal Nick Redfern, who I believe is attempting to steal the record for the most UFO books written by a human person from either Brad Steiger or me. I don't know who has the title at the moment, but uh, that's another another uh, problem to deal with. I wanted to point out that my book, The Best of Project Blue Book, has been reissued in a hardback collector's edition. The book contains uh, my analysis of some of the, I guess, best cases that were submitted to and investigated by people at Project Blue Book. I was able to add information that was learned in the years since the case was investigated by the Air Force and apply that knowledge to each of the reports, making a case even stronger. I will say that the, this book is something that the deep state would not want you to see. They would like you to avoid it and is now available in hardback. As I said, it's kind of a collector's edition, something my father <laughs> called a real book. He once asked me, I'd, I'd published like six uh, paperback books. And he said, when are you going to write a real book? I'm thinking, what do you want here? Well, it's a hardback is what he was talking about. Anyhow, it's now out in a hardback on Amazon. So head over to Amazon, take a look and think about giving a rating because as Nick will attest, these things help. And now on to Nick Redfern, who, as you probably know, is a full-time author and journalist specialing in a wide range of unsolved mysteries, including Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, UFO sightings, government conspiracies, alien abductions, and paranormal phenomena. He writes regularly for the London Daily Express newspaper, Fortean Times, Fate, and UFO magazine. I hesitated at Fate, and I'll ask him in a moment if Fate still exists. I haven't seen it in a long time. Well... Huh? Um, Fate is um, put out, but uh, I'm not sure where that bio came from because UFO magazine definitely isn't around anymore. Well, yes, yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> gone off the, gone off the script here, folks. Can't, can't keep up here. Uh, his previous books include uh, th Three Men Seeking Monsters, Strange Secrets, Cosmic Crashes, and The FBI Files. And his newest book is The Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies, and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Monroe. Among his many exploits, Nick has investigated reports of lock monsters in Scotland, vampires in Puerto Rico, werewolves in England, aliens in Mexico, and sea serpents in the United States. Redfern travels and lectures extensively around the world. Originally from England, he currently lives in Arlington, Texas, which is his problem, not mine. Nick, welcome to A Different Perspective. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? <laughs> Just fine. And you say fate is still around. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, I have. I get a copy come in my uh, mailbox like every two, two and a half months, and it's always a new one. So. Is is Phyllis still the uh, editor in chief, the owner? Um, you know, I'm not too sure about that, but um, but but it definitely uh, comes in my mailbox every so often. Well, there you go. And uh, <clears throat> reason I wanted to talk to you about your uh, your new book is Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies, and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Rose, because I just did a book called. Um, UFOs in the deep state. And I think we kind of are uh, touching on the same ground there. So what, uh, give us a little background on, on, on the book. Okay. Well, basically, um, you know, for people who were sort of around in ufology in the 1990s, um, this uh, sort of controversial, almost like enigmatic document surfaced seemingly out of nowhere, suggesting that Marilyn Monroe may have been murdered by some elements of the government um, based on information, top secret information, that she'd been shown um, by the Kennedy brothers, JFK and RFK, and that because she was given all these secrets and she was talking about them, she had to go. That's basically sort of the story. And it sort of revolves around um, the leakage, if you like, of, um, of what is presented to be a, a CIA document um, analyzing and summarizing the story. Now, of course, the big question is, um, is the document the real deal um, or is it um, sort of a, a very well done um, fabrication? And over the years, you know, people have written articles about this, and um, and Don Burleson did a good little uh, book in the uh, the turn of the 2000s. Um, but beyond that, really, you know, beyond the articles, Don's little book um, and one documentary, um, it hasn't really gone very far. It's almost been in limbo in many respects since '95. So I thought, well, why not sort of. Um, go all the way through it, you know, the whole story, because over the years I'd sort of quietly collected just about everything that came along that was relevant to it. I'd sort of put it in a file, and then I felt about 18 months ago, something like that, that I'd got enough material to put the whole story together. And uh, and, it's, and it's not written from the perspective and from the, like, a Fox Mulder, I want to believe kind of approach it just takes me wherever i go and i interview a lot of people in the book sort of so it's kind of like a cross between um like a journalistic approach uh, mixed with a road trip and um, tracking down old timers who claim to know something about it and and trying to figure out as i said you know what the ultimate answer might be well, the question that springs to my mind is we've got a, a purported document from the CIA, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but is there other documentation from government sources that might lead in that direction? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things is that um, there are legitimate FBI and legitimate CIA files on Marilyn and people surrounding her, like, for example, um, the journalist Dorothy Kilgallen, uh, they weren't um, sort of good friends, but they certainly, you know, they crossed paths on the, you know, on the celebrity circuit, so to speak. And she died under, you know, mysterious circumstances um, 
when she was um, investigating the JFK assassination. She died in 1965. Um, so, and, and with the CIA, the real CIA document files on uh, Marilyn, we don't have many of them, but one of them, um, it talks about how Marilyn in 1955 applied to get a visa so she could go to uh, to Russia, of all places. And, um, you know, a lot of people saw her as this sort of ditzy blonde, but she actually wasn't. She was very interested in world politics and things like that. And so that's the reason why she wanted to go to Russia and see what it was really like. JFK, excuse me, I'm... Um, um, what happened was, um, not JFK, I meant J. Edgar Hoover. Um, J. Edgar Hoover uh, was not happy that she wanted to try and go to Russia. And that is basically the earliest CIA file that we know is in existence um, in relation to the CIA and Marilyn. Um, but that, so doesn't, that, does, that doesn't take us into the realm of UFOs. That's just... a citizen wanting to go to the Soviet Union, and I can imagine the, the FBI being interested in that sort of thing, wondering why American citizens wanted to go to the Soviet Union. Yeah, no, you're, you're right, but one of the important things is that a number of people have said that there's never been any CIA files on Marilyn. I, I mentioned that because that's not true. There are files on her, and, and they are the ones relevant to, to Russia. Now, of course, the big question is, um, is this sort of one-page document, um, you know, does it sort of um, stand up in relation to the legitimate government documents on, um, on Marilyn? And, uh, and in many respects, it does. But then, on the other hand, you could say, well, if somebody spent a lot of time, you know, plowing through all of the biographies that have been written about Marilyn, then somebody could put together, you know, um, a legitimate-looking document. Um, we know, for example, that the typeface on the document does relate, it does come from that particular era, the 50s and the 60s. Um, and there's also, you know, that the layout is, is correct, and, you know, in, in terms of um, CIA documentation. But again, as I point out in the book, you know, you could go through some of the uh, declassified FOIA files of the CIA and carefully doctor a document, you know. So, um, so as I said, this isn't a case of me trying to say, hey, you know, this is 100%, this is the answer. It, it, it's still an enigma today, really. Well, I'm kind of reminded of the uh, documents that CBS News purported that showed uh, President Bush had dodged his National Guard service uh, that they aired just prior to the election in, what, 2004 that turned out to be bogus. Yeah. And uh, the the excuse was, well, somebody would have to have sat down and gone through scads of documents and understood the language of the time and all of this stuff. And I'm thinking all they needed was a couple of documents from the era to kind of copy and plug in the things that you wanted to plug into it and to make them look legitimate. And it sounds to me like you're saying that the, this is a possibility here as well. Somebody had access to some CIA documents and just sort of copied the uh, the formats in that off a document and plugged in what they wanted in it. Oh, yeah, that's entirely plausible. I mean, I've got an entire chapter, well, actually two chapters on people in ufology who are known to have uh, fabricated documents. Um, you know, so we have to take that into uh, consideration. But um, 
one of the important things that I talk about, and a lot of um, people don't know the full story, is how the story actually began. And um, what happened was in 2002, um, Dr. Bob Wood, um, Ryan Wood's uh, father, um, in, the, in 2002, Bob approached me because Tim Cooper, who'd got all of these questionable and controversial documents about MJ-12 and things like this, um, Bob said to me, would I be willing to spend like a week, 10 days in an Orange County um, hotel or motel um, and go through all of Cooper's files? Cooper, at that point, had sold all his papers to Bob and and said to me, we go through everything. I said, well, sure, yeah, you know, for a good fee. And um, and I was there in Orange County in a hotel room. In the book, I say it's kind of a bit like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, you know, <laughs> sort of sort of stuck in this hotel room, you know, going a little bit crazy, going through thousands and literally thousands and thousands of all of Cooper's material. And in that file was um, all of Cooper's data on Marilyn and connections to UFOs. And um, you could see in the files um, that I was going through for Bob um, that um, as far as back as 1991, bear in mind the document didn't service publicly until 1994 and didn't first reach the, the first, um, the first um, um, speech about it. Um, but it was actually 1991 when Cooper was starting to look into all this and all, I got all of his papers there. So we know it started in 1991. Um, it was mentioned, the document was mentioned on Fox News in 1994. And then a man named Milo Spiriglio, um, a private detective who had written three books on Marilyn, he was provided um, the, the Marilyn document by Cooper. And Cooper said that, or inferred, that it had come from an elderly archivist in the CIA. So that well, let me believe. let me break in here. Let me break in here because we have to come back to this point. Well, okay. you've got a elderly archivist in the CIA talking about this, and we'll come back to that point uh, right after this. Where you have to take a quick break. The book is called cleverly the diary secret Di uh, diary of secrets, the UFO conspiracies, and the mysterious death of Marilyn Monroe. I think it kind of deals with the deep state, which relates to my book, UFOs in the Deep State. It talks about the uh, presidential in, uh, attempts to penetrate the, the UFO wall and find out what's going on and that sort of thing. And look at the history of the secrecy um, and the, how the deep state maintains its, I guess, its wall of secrecy. So I'll be back with Nick Redford right after this. So please stick around. family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pounds. i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer this is a different perspective with kevin randall a retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. 
Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. Before I bring on my good pal Nick Redfern, who I believe is attempting to steal the record for the most UFO books written by a human person from either Brad Steiger or me. I don't know who has the title at the moment, but uh, that's another, another uh, problem to deal with. I wanted to point out that my book, The Best of Project Blue Book, has been reissued in a hardback collector's edition. The book contains uh, my analysis of some of the, I guess, best cases that were submitted to and investigated by people at Project Blue Book. I was able to add information that was learned in the years since the case was investigated by the Air Force and apply that knowledge to each of the reports, making a case even stronger. I will say that the, this book is something that the deep state would not want you to see. They would like you to avoid it and is now available in hardback. As I said, it's kind of a collector's edition, something my father <laughs> called a real book. He once asked me, I'd, I'd published like six uh, paperback books. And he said, when are you going to write a real book? I'm thinking, what do you want here? Well, it's a hardback is what he was talking about. Anyhow, it's now out in a hardback on Amazon. So head over to Amazon, take a look and think about giving a rating because as Nick will attest, these things help. And now on to Nick Redfern, who, as you probably know, is a full-time author and journalist specialing in a wide range of unsolved mysteries, including Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, UFO sightings, government conspiracies, alien abductions, and paranormal phenomena. He writes regularly for the London Daily Express newspaper, Fortean Times, Fate, and UFO magazine. I hesitated at Fate, and I'll ask him in a moment if Fate still exists. I haven't seen it in a long time. Well... Uh uh, fate is um, put out, but uh, I'm not sure where that bio came from because UFO magazine definitely isn't around anymore. Well, yes, yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> gone off the, <laughs> gone off the script here, folks. Can't, can't keep up here. Uh, his previous books include uh, th Three Men Seeking Monsters, Strange Secrets, Cosmic Crashes, and the FBI Files. And his newest book is The Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies, and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Monroe. Among his many exploits, Nick has investigated reports of lock monsters in Scotland, vampires in Puerto Rico, werewolves in England, aliens in Mexico, and sea serpents in the United States. Redfern travels and lectures extensively around the world. Originally from England, he currently lives in Arlington, Texas, which is his problem, not mine. Nick, welcome to A Different Perspective. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? <laughs> Just fine. And you say fate is still around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I get a copy come in my uh, mailbox like every two, two and a half months. And it's always a new one. So. Is, is Phyllis still the uh, editor in chief, the owner? Um, you know, I'm not too sure about that, but, um, but, but it's definitely, uh, comes in my mailbox every so often. Well, there you go. And, uh, <clears throat> reason I wanted to talk to you about your, um, your new book is Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Rose. Cause I just did a book called, um, UFOs in the deep state. And I think we kind of are uh, touching on the same ground there. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, 
give us a little background on, on, on the book. Okay. Well, basically, um, you know, for people who were sort of around in ufology in the 1990s, um, this uh, sort of controversial, almost like enigmatic document surfaced seemingly out of nowhere, suggesting that Marilyn Monroe may have been murdered by some elements of the government um, based on information, top secret information, that she'd been shown um, by the Kennedy brothers, JFK and RFK, and that because she was given all these secrets and she was talking about them, she had to go. That's basically sort of the story. And it sort of revolves around um, the leakage, if you like, of, um, of what is presented to be a, a CIA document um, analyzing and summarizing the story. Now, of course, the big question is, um, is the document the real deal um, or is it um, sort of a very well done um, fabrication? And over the years, you know, people have written articles about this and, um, and Don Burleson did a good little uh, book in the, uh, the turn of the 2000s. Um, but beyond that, really, you know, beyond the articles, Don's little book um, and one documentary, um, it hasn't really gone very far. It's almost been in limbo in many respects since 95. So I thought, well, why not sort of... Um, go all the way through it, you know, the whole story, because over the years I'd sort of quietly collected just about everything that came along that was relevant to it. I'd sort of put it in a file, and then I felt about 18 months ago, something like that, that I'd got enough material to put the whole story together. And, uh, and, it's, and it's not written from the perspective and from the, like, a Fox Mulder, I want to believe, kind of approach it just takes me wherever i go and i interview a lot of people in the book sort of so it's kind of like a cross between um like a journalistic approach uh, mixed with a road trip and um, tracking down old timers who claim to know something about it and and trying to figure out as i said you know what the ultimate answer might be well, the question that springs to my mind is we've got a, a purported document from the CIA, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but is there other documentation from government sources that might lead in that direction? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things is that um, there are legitimate FBI and legitimate CIA files on Marilyn and people surrounding her, like, for example, um, the journalist Dorothy Kilgallen. Uh, they weren't um, sort of good friends, but they certainly, you know, they crossed paths on the, you know, on the celebrity circuit, so to speak. And she died under, you know, mysterious circumstances um, when she was um, investigating the JFK assassination. She died in 1965. Um, so, and, and with the CIA, the real CIA document files on uh, Marilyn, we don't have many of them, but one of them, um, it talks about how 
Marilyn in 1955 applied to get a visa so she could go to uh, to Russia of all places. And um, you know, a lot of people saw her as this sort of ditzy blonde, but she actually wasn't. She was very interested in world politics and things like that. And so that's the reason why she wanted to go to Russia and see what it was really like. JFK, excuse me. Um, um, what happened was, um, not JFK, I meant J. Edgar Hoover. Um, J. Edgar Hoover uh, was not happy that she wanted to try and go to Russia. And that is basically the earliest CIA file that we know is in existence um, in relation to the CIA and Marilyn. Uh, but that, so doesn't, that, does, that doesn't take us into the realm of UFOs. That's just... Uh citizen wanting to go to the Soviet Union, and I can imagine the, the FBI being interested in that sort of thing, wondering why American citizens wanted to go to the Soviet Union. Yeah, no, you're right, but one of the important things is that a number of people have said that there's never been any CIA files on Marilyn. I mentioned that because that's not true. There are files on her, and, and they are the ones relevant to, to Russia. Now, of course, the big question is, um, is this sort of one-page document, um, you know, does it sort of um, stand up in relation to the legitimate government documents on, um, on Marilyn? And, uh, and in many respects, it does. But then, on the other hand, you could say, well, if somebody spent a lot of time, you know, plowing through all of the biographies that have been written about Marilyn, then somebody could put together, you know, um, a legitimate-looking document. Um, we know, for example, that the typeface on the document does relate, it does come from that particular era, the 50s and the 60s. Um, and there's also, you know, that the layout is, is correct, and, you know, in, in terms of um, CIA documentation. But again, as I point out in the book, you know, you could go through some of the uh, declassified FOIA files of the CIA and carefully doctor a document, you know. So, um, so as I said, this isn't a case of me trying to say, hey, you know, this is 100%, this is the answer. It, it, it's still an enigma today, really. Well, I'm kind of reminded of the uh, documents that CBS News purported that showed uh, President Bush had dodged his National Guard service uh, that they aired just prior to the election in, what, 2004 that turned out to be bogus. Yeah. And uh, the the excuse was, well, somebody would have to have sat down and gone through scads of documents and understood the language of the time and all of this stuff. And I'm thinking all they needed was a couple of documents from the era to kind of copy and plug in the things that you wanted to plug into it and to make them look legitimate. And it sounds to me like you're saying that the, this is a possibility here as well. Somebody had access to some CIA documents and just sort of copied the uh, the formats in that off a document and plugged in what they wanted in it. Oh, yeah, that's entirely plausible. I mean, I've got an entire chapter, well, actually two chapters on people in ufology who are known to have uh, fabricated documents. Um, you know, so we have to take that into uh, consideration. But um, one of the important things that I talk about, and a lot of um, people don't know the full story, is how the story actually began. And um, what happened was in 2002, um, Dr. Bob Wood, um, Ryan Wood's uh, father, 
um, in the in 2002, Bob approached me because Tim Cooper, who'd got all of these questionable and controversial documents about MJ12 and things like this, um, Bob said to me, would I be willing to spend like a week, 10 days in an Orange County um, hotel or motel um, and go through all of Cooper's files? Cooper, at that point, had sold all his papers to Bob and and said to me, we go through everything. I said, well, sure, yeah, you know, for a good fee. And um, and I was there in Orange County in a hotel room. In the book, I say it's kind of a bit like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, you know, sort of sort of stuck in this hotel room, you know, going a little bit crazy, going through thousands and literally thousands and thousands of all of Cooper's material. And in that file was um, all of Cooper's data on Marilyn and connections to UFOs. And um, you could see in the files um, that I was going through for Bob um, that um, as far as back as 1991, bear in mind the document didn't service publicly until 1994 and didn't first reach the, the first, um, the first um, um, speech about it. Um, but it was actually 1991 when Cooper was starting to look into all this and all, I got all of his papers there. So we know it started in 1991. Um, it was mentioned, the document was mentioned on Fox News in 1994. And then a man named Milo Spiriglio, um, a private detective who had written three books on Marilyn, he was provided um, the, the Marilyn document by Cooper. And Cooper said that, or inferred, that it had come from an elderly archivist in the CIA. So that well, let me believe- let me break in here. Let me break in here because we have to come back to this point. Well, okay. you've got a elderly archivist in the CIA talking about this, and we'll come back to that point uh, right after this. Where you have to take a quick break. The book is called cleverly the Diary Secret Di- Diary of Secrets: The UFO Conspiracies and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Monroe. Think it kind of deals with the deep state, which relates to my book, UFOs in the Deep State. It talks about the uh, presidential in, uh, attempts to penetrate the the UFO wall and find out what's going on and that sort of thing, and look at the history of the secrecy um, and the, how the deep state maintains its, I guess, its wall of secrecy. So I'll be back with Nick Redford right after this. So please stick around. Redfern, we're talking about the mysterious death of Marilyn Monroe. We're talking about UFO conspiracies. Uh, we're having a good time, I think, uh, talking about it. When we went away, we were talking about this woman named Lee Israel. And if I if I remember correctly, I there was an HBO or there was a movie on HBO a couple of years ago about her and her exploits. And I think I touched on it on uh, one of the blog posts. And I'll look to see if that's true. I seem to remember having done that. There's another another movie called Truth that deals with the faking of the Bush documents that I've done some things on, and I'll link to those as well. And that'll be at uh, www.kevinrandall.com. 
blogspot.com. But when we went away, um, I almost said Lee, Nick, we were you, okay. you were just beginning to tell us about Lee Israel. So take it away from yeah. there. Well, Lee Israel, as I said before the break, um, she was an author, a well-respected author, um, did a lot of journalistic work, biographical work. Um, but by the turn of the 1990s, she started to go downhill, um, work began to dry up, and she did something which, you know, she basically destroyed her career by going down the path of creating or, um, should we say, just sort of um, faking um, documentation. A lot of it, some of it was government documentation. Others were um, with, with fakes of letters to between famous people. And then she would sell them at um, auctions and, um, and, and also to people, you know, who behind the scenes, you know, didn't want anyone else to know. And she would hand them over and just be handed over, you know, with who knows how many wads of dollars, you know. And all these documents um, that all these people were paying for were faked. Now, she started doing this in the early part of the 1990s. That was the same time when the Marilyn document started to be talked about. Now, in her book, um, she, in one of her books, Lee's Rail, um, she wrote a, um, a biography on um, Dorothy Kilgallen, the journalist who died under odd circumstances in 65 while looking into JFK's death. And um, in one of her books, um, the, the specific one um, on Kilgallen, it talks about um, a number of uh, specific people. And um, those people are JFK, RFK, Marilyn, um, a man named Howard Rothberg, um, who was um, a friend of Kilgallen and who's mentioned in the Marilyn documents as well. All of those people, the Kennedy brothers, Howard Rothberg, Marilyn Monroe, Dorothy Kilgallen, they're all mentioned um, in Lee Israel's book, but all of those as well are all in that questionable document. Now, that in itself should, you know, show like a red light at the very least. Um, you know, this, this woman, um, Lee Israel, you know, she's a forger, a an extremely well put together forger. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say, it looked like she was very careful in what she did. She had communicated with the various people that she forged the documents from in some fashion during her career. She knew them and she understood how they how they operated and kept coming. Every time she needed money, she would come up with a new document and take it to a, 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 a one of those places where you sell those sorts of things. And it would be vetted and they would say, yes, this thing is authentic and uh, pay her wads of cash for these forged documents yeah that's exactly what she did and we you know we, we cannot get away from and we shouldn't get away from the fact that as i said that um every key figure in that marilyn ufo documents are all mentioned even um even, you know, some of the, the lesser known ones, like, for example, Howard Rothberg. Howard Rothberg 
was nothing to do with the intelligence community or UFOs. He was actually um, a house renovator and decorator who lived in New York, but he was also very good friends um, with Dorothy Kilgallen, and the two of them sort of knew all the... Um, you know, the uh, all the rumour mill and the celebrity secrets going around. Um, so even people, the obscure ones like Howard Rothberg, um, who was a friend with Kilgallen, um, and Lee Israel wrote, wrote about um, her, um, is also in the UFO documents. So, um, and the timing of the Marilyn document surfacing right at the point when this first Marilyn document um, surfaced. Now, you could say, well, why didn't she, um, you know, why is it that she didn't write any more do documents if she was on a, you know, on sort of on a good vibe with the first Marilyn document? Why not do any more? Well, the reason, because right around the time when... Um, you could say, you know, the next document could come along. Uh, that was when um, when um, Lee Israel was uh, busted by the feds and uh, uh, arrested, and um, she was not put into jail, but she was basically um, in, like, in a home jail-type situation. Um, now, had she not been arrested by the FBI, I'm, I talk in the book about how possibly, you know, there could have been uh, multiple more... Uh, Marilyn documents start uh, come out, you know, in relation to the UFO story, but everything was knocked on the head because she was arrested, and maybe that's why the documents ended there. But then again, you know, there are a number of um, old timers I missed, um, I interviewed, um, intriguing people who said. Regardless of the documents, I heard the story about Marilyn back in 1962 in relation to UFOs. So that's what sort of, again, makes it intriguing. And as I said, um, you know, well, there's the, different angles to deal with. There's there's something that I'm struck by, and, and it relates not to this at all, but relates to the investigation of the Plains of St. Augustine crash. And I was talking to a fellow named John Ford who lived in Magdalena, New Mexico. And we're talking about the Barney Barnett story. And what he said to me, I, I think, is what, what is important here is I was trying to find out when he had first heard the story of Barney Barnett and the Plains of San Augustine crash. To pin it down, was it prior to 1980 or was it after the publication of the Roswell incident? And Ford said that he wasn't sure. He thought it was after the publication, but he couldn't be sure. And I'm thinking if we're looking at a memory that goes back literally decades trying to figure out exactly when I heard a tale, unless there's some way to pinpoint it in, in in history, some some flag post that we can plant it, um, that somebody's saying, well, I heard the story back in 1962. It just may not be that he heard it in 62. He heard it in 72 or 82, long after after this. And uh, is, is there a way of kind of pinning a date on these sorts of stories told by by people trying to remember things that are 30, 40, 50 years old? Well, I mean, you can in the sense that the people who who I interviewed said, you know, I can say that it was in the early 1960s. You know, I would be, I would act, although, you know, somebody said I can tell you the exact date, well, that's, that would be great. But then again, I would find it very suspicious if somebody said 40 years down the road, you know, 
well, yes, it was June the 14th, 1963, when the person told me. I would be, that would be like too true for me, you know. So I think sometimes when a person says, well, I think it was around about the early 60s, actually gives sort of a, you know, a degree of um, reality to it. But what I would say is that, um, you know, the people, the old timers I interviewed who who said that, yes, I did hear the story about Marilyn, regardless of the documents, I did hear the story. Um, one of them um, was an, a, a retired military guy um, who I interviewed, not, I shouldn't say, not like um, a deep throat, you know, this was all on the record. Um, and he said that um, in the same way that um, Howard Rothberg and Dorothy Kilgallen shared, supposedly showed, um, shared um, all this information about Marilyn and crashed UFOs. Um, and he was um, like one of these celebrity guys and um, house um, renovation, that kind of thing, and house decoration. Um, that one of the other people I interviewed um, was um, an elderly whistleblower, again on the record, who said that... Um, one of Marilyn's um, hairdressers had spoken about this as well, that the rumours had got through that at some point the Kennedys, um, RFK, JFK, had told uh, Marilyn about this. It got to her hairdresser, and and that's where he heard the story from. So, again, you know, it's, it's puzzling because I could make almost like a 100% case that it was Lee Israel, or, well, that's probably a bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> maybe sort of 85% probability. But then you have to deal with the, you know, the, the sort of the everything around, you know, that sort of follows around it, um, which adds more to the story. But then again, you know, I also talk about um, some other people in ufology who we know fake documents, uh, like, for example... Um, you know, way back in the 1950s, Gray Barker, um, along with Jim Mosley, I mean, they faked what became known as the Straith Letter. Um, a friend of, um, of um, I think, it, which one it was now, it was either um, the two guys, um, I'm pretty sure, though, it was uh, Mosley himself. Um, but the, the two guys, they basically... Um, were able to get their hands through a friend uh, of a bunch of Department of State documents. Um, one of the one of the, the two guys. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let me just get it. Uh, let me just check it for you. But um, yeah, what we got, we got Gray Barker and we got Jim Mosley. And it was Gray Barker who had a friend whose father worked in the Department of State. And he was able to steal like 40 pages of unused Department of State uh, Department uh, of State documents, handed them over um, to Gray Barker and Jim Mosley, and they put together all these well-constructed uh, documents um, that talked about UFOs and um, and sent them out to people just as pranks. But the important thing is. You know, if somebody was to do a forensic study of them, they would see this would be legitimate Department of State documentation. You would see, you know, the bleed through from the typewriter, that kind of thing. And, um, and it worked really well. So, you know, 
there are these sort of precedent for this kind of thing happening, you know, and a lot often, you know, it's done just for fun, like with um, Barker and uh, Mosley did it because on the on the night they decided to do it, they were sort of blasted out of their brains on whiskey, you know. So uh, that's a, a really funny story. Um, Barker himself actually got so terrified and paranoid, he actually destroyed the uh, typewriter they used and and buried it in wet cement in a in a, a, a nearby building that was being constructed. And he went out when the guys had finished for the day, you know, with all the cement and shoved all the pieces of the uh, of the typewriter into the um, into the cement. So maybe one day, if that building's knocked down, somebody will find all this sort of multiple pieces of an old typewriter hidden away somewhere. <laughs> well, also, it reminds me of a number of other things that have gone on, not necessarily in the UFO world, but Texas state history is loaded with fake documents from the time of the Texas Revolution, um, trying to... Uh, well, the one I think of is the De La Pena diary, who suggested Davy Crockett surrendered at the Alamo, and a number of historians have pinned their, uh, I guess, reputations on the idea that these di this diary is authentic, yet it doesn't fit into a lot of the uh, other things that were published in that time frame, which takes us away from UFOs, of course, but into the realm of, of forging documents. We're going to have to take our last break here, uh, Nick. Your book is still called Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies, and the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Monroe. My latest book is called UFOs in the Deep State. And as I mentioned earlier, there is a hardback edition of the Best of Project Blue Book that is now available for those of you who are interested in eating hardback books as opposed to paperbacks and that sort of thing available over at Amazon and some of the other fine stores. I will be back right after this with Nick Redfern and we will complete our discussion of Marilyn Monroe and UFOs. So please stick around. Returned with Nick Redfern. We're talking about his latest book, Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies, and the Mysteries of Mistress Death of Marilyn Monroe. Um, when we went away, we were kind of talking about forged documents and all the forged documents that float around in the UFO community. And I, I include in that uh, the MJ-12 documents. And it sounds like you uh, feel the same way about that. Uh, if I got that right? Yes. I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, Although me and you sort of differ on what happened at Roswell, I think the one thing we can agree on is the fact that, um, you know, those MJ-12 documents were fabricated. Whoever did it, you know, that's a, a bigger picture. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't see any sort of relevance, real relevance to the Roswell story, you know, the MJ-12 documents. But, um, but I mean, again, there are some more genuinely intriguing things because one of the things that I did was to try and find as much material as I could through the Freedom of Information Act. And one of the things I found was that the CIA um, had opened um, post when the documents um, surfaced, the CIA had opened um, a file, like a surveillance file, on Spiriglio, 
which ran to about 40 pages. And I was able to get my hands on that file. Now, what it was, somebody in the CIA over the course of about 20 years had collected all of the US-based newspaper and magazine articles that talked about Marilyn's death and uh, was she assassinated, all this kind of thing. And they were, they were basically photocopies and put into the file. But what's interesting is that um, somebody in the CIA on every page within that um, file uh, had used a black marker pen and wherever it mentioned Marilyn's diary, where she kept all her secret information uh, in this diary slash journal, somebody had underlined the words diary or diary of secrets or secret diaries. Somebody in the CIA had put a, a black marker line underneath. So somebody or a group of people in the CIA were, were deeply concerned or at least interested to know what Spiriglio was doing bit by bit, year by year, until he died in 2010. Um, so, you know, you've got this angle of the the document, which seems to be illegitimate, um, and yet one of the, the prime guy who um, circulated the document um, was being watched by the CIA for the very same reason, you know, the very same reason. Here's something I find interesting, and I'm going to take it in a little bit different direction, and go, going toward the Allende letters, which appeared at the Office oh, yeah. of Naval Naval Intelligence in the 1950s, mm -hmm. and it and and the story is it stirred quite the interest in the 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 guys at the ONI, and they went to all this trouble to to duplicate the book and did some investigation. I talked to one of those guys many many years ago named Sidney Sherby. Is that right? Um, Yes, who worked yes. for the Varro, Varro Manufacturing there in, I think it's actually in Arlington, Texas. Uh, it was, it's not far from here at all. It's like about 40-minute drive from me. <laughs> and I, I went and visited him at his office there, and he, he showed me a copy of the, the uh, manu, uh, annotated manuscript and, and that sort of thing. But what he told me was that the Office of Naval Research thought it was garbage. They were just uninterested in it completely and totally. And he, he and his friend, uh, a fellow named Hoover, I think it was, um, were interested in it. And, and what they were told was, well, if it doesn't involve Navy resources in any way, shape, or form, and doesn't detract from your duties, go ahead and do what you want with it. But the idea that they were members of the Office of Naval Intelligence at the time kind of followed them around. And so the story became that the Office of Naval Intelligence or the Office of Naval Research, I forget at the moment which one exactly it was, uh, were interested in this book, giving it some legitimacy. And I'm wondering if we don't have sort of the same thing there. The guy that, that happened to be the guy who was interested was a member of the CIA, but it really had no official standing. Well, I mean, he would have official standing in the sense that he obviously worked for the CIA because it's, you know, the documents and the all the photocopies of the newspapers and magazines are all in the CIA file, which came through the Freedom Information Act. But that doesn't mean, you know, that um, it, that doesn't prove that, um, you know, that the the Maryland UFO documents is is general, um, you know, it, that it's genuine. Uh, but what it does demonstrate is that there was still genuine interest in Marilyn on the part of the uh, CIA in relation through the 80s and through into the 90s. They were still collecting, you know, the clippings. 
Well, could it could it be that they were interested because they wondered what JFK, who was the president for crying out loud, um, might have told her in relation to national secrets that have nothing to do with UFOs and maybe we just sort of uh, what pillow talk type of thing. And they were interested in her to see what she might have learned from him or what he might have spilled to her and she spilled to other people. Oh, well, that's into- well, actually, we, we know um, sort of 75 percent of that story. Uh, but when Marilyn died, um, all her, a lot of her possessions or was died or was murdered, however you want to term it. Um, but when she died and she, her body was taken to the morgue, um, some of her possessions were taken as well. And a number of the people who worked there said that um, that um, all her the things that were brought in stayed there for about three days. And one of them was this large journal slash diary. That's why I called it Diary of Secrets. And um, so what happened was about three days later, the the uh, journal was gone. Nobody saw it ever again. But a number of the people who worked there at the time sort of have a quick you know, look through it. And there were references, apparently, to plans um, for... Um, for Cuba to be um, attacked by the United States or, or potentially, you know, a theoretical approach um, on Cuba, um, plans to um, assassinate Fidel Castro and even um, plans to work um, in tandem with the mafia in some of the more sort of troubling um, projects and whatever, so to speak. So, yes, it's entirely possible that Marilyn could have just been told about some down-to-earth, really controversial secrets and no UFO secrets at all. And the documents that we see could have been doctored to make it look like a UFO document when perhaps it was a real document, but but talked about legitimate down-to-earth type situations. So what uh, what conclusions do you draw at the end of your book? What uh, where are we going with this? Um, not many. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, I, actually, I'll tell you what, how I end the book, um, and this will sort of give you an idea. And um, I don't mind sort of giving away the uh, the last line. Um, and this is how I, I'm reading it from the book now. It's only a short line. I thought about ending the conclusion section with the words of the late sci-fi writer Arthur C. Clarke. Of another famous mystery, that of the Loch Ness Monster, Clarke said, If you want my personal opinion, on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, I believe in Nessie. And then I said, to a degree, that's how I feel about the Spiriglio document. Maybe it's genuine, maybe it isn't. That's not a cop-out or an example of sitting on the fence. All I can say for sure is that my investigation is not at an end. And, and I mean, that's legitimately where I'm at. It's still the document, even to this day. Uh, all these speak of people I've spoken to going way back to 95, collected everything since then. It's, to me, it still remains an enigma. Now, a lot of people don't like enigmas because it doesn't sort of neatly put the story together but if i'm going to be honest which obviously i'm going to be i can only tell the readers as to what we've got and where we are right now maybe it'll always be like that or maybe as a result of the book being released maybe there'll be a new development which will sort of change things in a an amazing way 
or somebody may just come forward and say, oh, we found some of Lee Israel's documents and there's another one about Marilyn UFOs in there, you know. Um, so it's, for me, it's, it's still a mystery. Um, I wish I could, you know, have, I could nail it to the wall, you know, and say it's this, but to be honest, I, I'm not in that point, you know, um, simply because, um, you know, the, the story's 60 years old and a lot of people who are around, some of them weren't talking, some were talking to a, a degree. Um, so it's, you know, the, the I kind of liken it to sort of like um, your average book on Jack the Ripper, you know, the sort of multiple different theories who he was but it's 100 years old and we're never going to get the answer. You know, it, it could, unfortunately, end up along those lines, you know. Well, that sounds like a wonderful place for us to end this. <laughs> Say, we don't know. <laughs> we don't that know. Sort of no. But, I'm, but I'm, a lot of people won't do that. And I've, I've had editors say to me, well, don't say it like that because it's a bit of a letdown. And I said, well, but that is where it ends. The fact is... Nobody, including me, has been able to go further, at least right now. And so why not be honest and say, look, I've, I've dug and dug and dug, but I've got so far. And for a lot of people, even for me, so far isn't enough, but it is where we're at. Well, that's a good place for us to end us uh, here, Nick. I want to thank you for taking time from your busy schedule of trying to catch uh, Brad Steiger and me and having written more UFO books than anybody else in the world. Oh, I'll never catch up um, with the amount that uh, Brad wrote. I mean, <laughs> Brad did something like about, I know I know at the time of his death, he'd written about 180. I mean, well, I've done like 70. I'll never reach 180. Well, I, I, think, I think the thing is, but not all the books were about UFOs. He had a lot of other interests yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. there you go. But uh, thank you for taking time. I appreciate your insight into this and the interesting uh, stories of Marilyn Monroe and what happened to her. So oh, thanks, uh, the book is Diary of Secrets, UFO Conspiracies and Myster the Mysterious Death of Marilyn Monroe. It's uh, Nick Redfern and his website is Nick Redfern Fortian. That's all one word, Nick Redfern Fortian.blogspot.com. Mine, of course, is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. My latest book is UFOs in the Deep State. It was published just last month. It discusses the ways the deep state has kept the real story of UFOs out of the public arena. And like I said before, if I'd written this book this year, it would have been a little bit different because of, of the way things went with the election and who is now back in power in the government. And we see that the bureaucrats from many of the old administrations are now back in positions of power in this new administration. And it kind of gives you an idea of the continuity of the deep state and how that works. And it explains also how presidents can be kept in the dark about UFOs and what the uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigation had to do with silencing witnesses. So if you get a chance, take a look at it. It has reached number 12 on a couple of the Amazon's bestseller list. I'm praying that it will get to number one just for a moment or two, just so I can say I had a number one bestseller. So if you'd like to help, head on over to Amazon.com and take a look at uh, UFOs and the, and the deep state. Uh, coming up next week, I will be ranting about some areas of ufology, including talking about um, 
Jacques Vallée's latest book about um, the UFO crash in San Antonio, New Mexico in 1945, and problems with that book and other aspects of the UFO field, what may be coming up just uh, uh, on Friday, a week from Friday, with the release, the alleged release of the report due to Congress on UFOs, UAPs, I think it's going to be a big uh, letdown. I don't think there's going to be much of anything there. That'll be coming up. I'll be talking again to Don Ecker in the weeks to follow and Don Schmidt as well. So there's uh, more interesting things like that coming up on the uh, program. And there are some other fine programs about the paranormal to be found at xzbn.net. So take a look at the website. That's uh, xzbn.net xzbn.net and you're going to find something I think that'll appeal to you. I know that my favorite program happens to be A Different Perspective. You have been listening to A Different Perspective on the Exome Broadcast Network. I'll be back in about 167 hours with more incredible information. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>